The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. You're listening to Confidential Brief live in Johannesburg on 101.9 FM, broadcasting worldwide on highfm.com. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Well, it's the 8th of May, 2023. We just passed the midday mark on uh, this uh, very gloomy Monday in Johannesburg. Gloomy because of the rain and gloomy because we don't know what's happening with our leadership. We had a new mayor elected this past week from the same party as the previous mayor. They have less than a handful of seats in the um, city of Johannesburg, and already there is scandal and the rumor mill is in overdrive. It now transpires that our brand newly elected mayor may be implicated, and I say may, of course, be implicated in a funeral Ponzi scheme. He's now under investigation for this. And it just goes to show that the coalition governments are not taking the city of Johannesburg residents seriously. And it's something that's playing across um, throughout our country. We're seeing our metropolitans as well as our municipalities collapse because of this disinterest that seems to be shown by those that are elected to office where they're putting their own interests before those of the residents. And this is what's so very worrying because we're going into an election cycle, 2024 being a national election, and that election we've been speaking about and hyping the fact that this could be the very first election since 1994 where we have a coalition government. We're seeing that coalitions are not working at local government level. How will it work at a provincial level? How will it work at a national level if they can't get it right with a, with a metropolitan or with a municipality? It's something we need to address. It's something that we need to hear back from each and every one of those political parties. They cannot be fielding candidates and lists without us as residents and citizens of this country making our input. And, of course, it just helps them in respect of Concealing corrupt activities when we do not know what is going on behind the scenes. We need a lot more transparency. Joining me in a couple of minutes is Daleen Deal. She's from an organization called Secure Citizen. And that's exactly what we're going to be speaking about. How do we secure our digital IDs? We'll be right back. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Our conversation today is regarding an organization known as Secure Citizen. This is a national initiative driven by the South African Fraud Prevention Services to safeguard corporates and South African citizens from growing identity theft. Joining us is the executive head, Daylene Deal. A very good afternoon, Daylene. Good afternoon, Chad. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I know what the weather's like your side. We've had some very strange weather in Johannesburg. It's raining when it shouldn't be raining. There's lightning when there shouldn't be lightning. So, yeah, the roads were absolutely chaotic this morning. Well, you know, you can always send some of that rain down to Kabecha where we really need it. Um, right now, it's it's windy, but it's it's nice weather. It's not it's not too windy. We've We've been blown away a little bit last week. Well, yeah, the weather, if the weather's anything to go by, and if we can compare it to our politics and the state of crime in our country, I don't think we should be taken by surprise anymore. The more bizarre the weather, the more bizarre the politics, the more bizarre the crimes we're seeing. Let's get down to business. Secure Citizen. It sounds like an incredible initiative. 
People are always being told, look after your passwords, look after yourself, but I don't think they realize what's really going on behind the scenes. We're going to tackle some crime statistics just now, but let's talk first about Secure Citizen. What led to the creation of the organization? So it really came about when the CEO of Southern African Fraud Prevention Services, Marnie van Skolkbeek, came to our uh, group company, which is a biometric verification company that specialized in voice at the time. And the conversation was really around traditional means of verifying your identity. Well, not only has it become a little bit untrusted, but if you really think about it, it's quite ludicrous. You know, historically, we would take a copy of our ID, go to police station. We'd show it to the sergeant. He doesn't check any system. He checks the ID document. He looks at the copy. He looks at you. He stamps you are who you claim to be. And Bob's your uncle. You can go and open a bank account. Similarly, when we engage with companies in a remote environment, they generally ask you three to five random questions that is related to your life or your financial life. And on the basis of being able to answer those correctly, they then assume that you are who you claim to be. Those are called KBAs, knowledge-based authentication. Now, they might have been effective years ago, but in light of all of the data breaches, fraudsters are more likely to pass my KBA than I am, and I fail it regularly. So the whole premise was, how do we then come up with a solution that's different to that, that works? And biometrics, your face, your voice, your fingerprints, those are things that you walk around with. They are unique to you, and they cannot be stolen if you use the right technology. So SAFPS and OneVault came together, created a Secure Citizen, but the aim of it being that we don't just serve businesses. We serve citizens as well. In fact, we see ourselves as ambassadors to citizens more than anything. And the, and the whole idea is how do we give citizens the mechanisms to actually make use of the regulations that we've had for so long? DHA started collecting biometrics on Southern African citizens in 2007. How have we effectively been using our modernized DHA system it, since since then until now to prevent impersonation fraud. And that's basically what Secure Citizen does. It uses all of the latest t- innovations and technologies to use what is unique to you as an individual so that a company can verify you, but both parties are part of the transaction. Because that's how we close that gap between citizens and businesses and stop, you, stop the fraudsters from exploiting that difference or that breakdown and trust that we've had over years. So we talk about multi-factor authentication when somebody wants to log on. There's all these terms that are used, and my understanding is I use a password and maybe my facial recognition or thumbprint or whatever the case may be. Um, a lot of people are still getting their minds wrapped around this. But this is generally done from the bank side because we talk about banking transactions or other um, applications that we may be using. How does Secure Citizen fit into the space? The important thing to note is that Secure Citizen is not a digital onboarding company. We work with digital onboarding companies, and that is because we want as many companies as possible to use the same API when they're verifying against the Department of Home Affairs. And that is quite simply because what we want to be able to do is When a citizen registers as a secure citizen and claims their identity, and we do that biometric verification against the Department of Home Affairs, 
when a company uses that single API, like a digital onboarding company, like a financial services company, like a retail company wanting to vet you, or even a, 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 a company that wants to vet you for leasing a property, then you want to be able to know before the account is opened that somebody's playing with your ID. And that's what this does. So when all of the companies use this single mechanism, we're able to communicate proactively with a company. Now, if, if you're going into a shop and you swipe your card and you get a message and it says you've just paid 129 Rand and it was you, that message is white noise. Yes, it fills your inbox, but you don't care because you know it was you. But should you get a message that says you've just spent 6,000 Rand and it's not you? It's, it's too late, but you do have the opportunity to phone and dispute the transaction. Now, what we're trying to do is when a company verifies your identity against the golden source, at that moment, we want to be able to send a message to the secure citizen and say, secure citizen's just done a verification on you. If it's you, you're not going to care. It's going to be the white noise. But if it's not you, you bet your bottom dollar that me, as a previous victim, I'm going to phone that company and say, what are you doing? That's not me. It gives citizens and companies the ability to proactively prevent fraud. So that's what I was going to say. I just had a light bulb moment. This is a proactive measure where we are not going onto each and every application, which would be the norm. This is something that is in the background that if somebody does try use any of our particulars, we are forewarned. That way we can protect our identity. Yes. So, and, and, you know, you were, you were right about the, the technical jargon that often gets thrown around, like two-factor authentication. I find that the simplest way of doing this is by telling a story. So my identity theft happened in 2017, and I'd been working in a bank for 13 years. So it's not that I didn't know how finance works. And I walked into my telco, who'd been serving me for 15 years, wanting to upgrade my daughter's account, only to be told, but you upgraded the account two weeks ago in Cavendish Square. And, you know, your mind goes into a little bit of a tiz because we're all so busy and none of us really get time to look at our statements. But the big thing is that we we then need to be able to say to companies, that wasn't me, and I, and I got the paperwork, and I've actually got a picture of the impersonator. And But what what technology did that store clerk have to refute that it wasn't me. But if we as citizens start saying, listen to companies, I want you to verify me on my biometrics, not a piece of paper. I want you to verify me on who I am because that way we're going to start eradicating the usage of fraudulent documents or um, answers on phones when it's, when it's not you. We as citizens have a right to use our identity, but nobody else does. And that's where we need to get to with technology like this. But we need to explain it simply so that people know what they need to do. We're chatting to Daleen Deal from Secure Citizen, how we as citizens can protect that which is most important to us, our identities. We'll be back straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. We're chatting today to Daleen Deal. 
She is the head of an organization known as Secure Citizen, which in partnership with the South African Fraud Prevention Services is pushing for people to protect that which is so important to them, and that is their identity. We've heard horror stories where people have been left with such limited credit scores that they can basically qualify for nothing. We've heard of people's identities being used by criminal syndicates in money mill accounts. It is so vitally important to protect ourselves in this ever-growing digital age. Now, I don't like to bore you with statistics, but I think it's important for you to know just how bad cybercrime is and where South Africa fits. In terms of a cybercrime study that was conducted by Surfshark, in 2021, South Africa was the fifth biggest country that was targeted in respect of cybercrime. And we're staying in that position. The top company that gets, the top country rather gets targeted surprisingly to a lot is the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom has on average four and a half thousand victims per one million internet users. That is a phenomenal figure. And to put it into context, a lot of fraud goes unreported. Sometimes people are embarrassed. Sometimes people don't think there'll be a recovery. That being said, however, last year in the United Kingdom alone, 40% of all crime reported, and that's all crime, was fraud related. Daleen, do these stats make sense to you? Is it as scary as it sounds? So let me bring those a little bit closer to home for you. What SAFPS does is they work with businesses and they gather the confirmed fraud data and they often run statistical tests and and every year they publish new statistics. So some of the scary stats for South Africa, and um, it depends on who you ask, but we're actually third um, from a cybercrime perspective globally. In the last year, South Africa's frauds increased by 40%. 62% of that is still money mules, and 66% is the submission of fraudulent documents. But the impersonation fraud is at 356%. And that's after last year's 337%. Now, it is, it is critical for us to start working together because this is not something that we can look at government and say government needs to fix this. This is a systemic problem that is going to require not only government and private sector and public sector to work together, but we're actually going to have to start getting citizens to stand up and say enough. We are being taken for a ride by fraudsters all the time. And, you know, it's it's quite sad. It's it, as you were talking just now in terms of your adverts, I was listening to the various adverts that you were using from um, Diskim and your talk about the transparent leadership and the sex offender list. And biometric ID verification has a use case or a, a role to play in each and every one of those. What we as citizens don't realize is we're already using our biometrics for security in so many places, but we do it seamlessly. What we need to understand is that, and a lot of people say, yeah, they don't want to be digitally active because that's just going to give fraudsters more opportunity to hit them. I I want to say to those individuals, if only the people in your immediate circle look know what you look like, you are making it so much easier for a fraudster to pretend to be you. They love it when they don't when your bank or nobody knows what you really look like. We need to, I want to live in a world, and I don't know about you, Chad, but I want to live in a world where you can have my 13-digit ID number. You can, I'll write it down for you so that you have it correctly, but it means nothing to you because you're not me. It should be valuable to only me 
And companies need to be able to have faith that when it is presented, it's presented by the true person. And the only way that you're going to do that is through innovation and collaboration. And that's the purpose of Secure Citizen, coming to the point where we're actually saying to citizens, participate in your own data, in making sure that it is true and correct, in making sure that you are verifying with a company. And when a company verifies you, you are made aware. And it also gives you the ability to then track who has touched my data. So your data, like Papia says, is yours. Sometimes you co-create it with a company, so you have co-ownership. But your name, your surname, your ID number, your bona fides belong to you. You need to also, as a citizen, take control of that. And that's that's where I truly believe we need to go. So a couple of takeaways. Um, from 2021 until now, we've gone from fifth to third. I'm not surprised because looking at the SABRIC report as well, we can see that there was a 45% increase um, just in the banking sector alone with regards to um, banking-type yeah. fraud. Now, I'm one of those people that is loathe to use the Internet for anything. My wife uses it all the time, and I cringe. I really do. I'm so nervous when she orders, even if it's just from down the road for groceries. I say, let's just go there. We're we, we there. We're in person. And she says, Chad, from a convenience perspective, are you crazy? Um, this is a new recipe. Let me try it out. I'm going to get the stuff delivered. It comes in 60 minutes. For me, it's still bizarre that we've moved into this digital age. We can't get away from it. And a lot of things we can't do without being in the digital space. So for me, Mm -hmm. it makes common sense that we have to protect our identities. And that's what we're discussing with you today, how we go about doing that. But again, statistics are so very important for me. Um, In the past two decades, when you look at the loss to cybercrime in rand value per hour, per hour, 17 years ago, it was 37,000 rand per hour. Today, as Mm -hmm. we sit here, you and I having this conversation, 14 and a half million rand would have been lost through cybercrime. That is unbelievable. And as much as we have to get on board this train, which is the Cyber Express, we have to safeguard ourselves. So keeping it simple, how do people go about doing this proactively? So on your your note of of millions spent. SAFPS, the companies that they've worked with in the last year saved those companies 5 billion rand by being proactive. And in the last five years, 17 billion rand. So by being proactive and being active, we are actually able to start, you know, fighting against fraud. When it comes to innovation, I really want to make it very clear that as people who live in a digital era, it is your right, Chad, to be digitally active. The fact that fraudsters instill a fear of being digital literally takes away your right to be digitally active. And that's unnecessary. That's why we create these sorts of technologies because we want to be able to make sure that we are giving people the ability to be digitally active. Now, I think from a person perspective, I'm not saying be so liberal with your data that you give it to every Tom, Dick and Harry. I'm not saying that leave your pin code and all of those things lying around. I am saying that as citizens, we need to start also saying there are certain things that we can do. For instance, 
A protective registration. Historically, SAFP has offered it to known victims, but thanks to all of the data breaches, we've all been breached. Every single financially active person in this country, it's not a case of have I been breached, it's when was I breached. Now, you have the ability at no cost to register for a protective registration with SAFPS. And what that does is it makes the financial institutions or anybody that gives any kind of credit who deals with your identity, it tells them that they need to go extra steps to verify you as a person. Now, a lot of companies don't like putting that process in place because it's friction, but we have to start creating friction for fraudsters, not citizens. So one of the things that we've done in partnership with SAFPS is we make your protective registration reference number easy for you to get to. So when a financial institution asks you for your reference number, you biometrically verify you're able to repeat your protective registration reference number. The fraudster is not going to be able to do that. Whereas if he's sitting with your data, then he will. So there are other means you can, when you are giving your information over the phone, let's say somebody phones you and says they're from bank ABC and they need to verify you, but they need to ask you a couple of questions. Ask them for the reference number of your particular call, put down the phone and phone the official number and give them the reference number. And then you're sure that you're speaking to the right person. We are working very closely with SAFPS so that we are able to also ascertain while you're still on the call that the person is who they claim to be. But there, and similarly, businesses are also victims. So, we, we always look at the consumer victim side of things, but we have to also realize that the businesses that are being defrauded are victims in the same transaction. So we have to work with them to make sure that we close that gap. Two questions. The first question, we, we're speaking about the South African Fraud Prevention Services, the SAFPS. Tell us a little bit more about who they are and how they fit into this equation, and then store this question for a bit later. What are we doing about AI and the fact that if people have a sample of our voice, they may be able to use that? Okay. So SAFPS is a not-for-profit organization that has been around for decades. They are custodians of fraud prevention in our country. Sadly, you know, we've not heard about them, and, and, and it's because you usually hear about them when you've been a victim. Now, what we're doing as part of Secure Citizen, we're the digital identity arm of SAFPS, and we offer the biometric capability from a technology perspective to verify the individual against the Department of Home Affairs. But they are the custodians that make sure that all of the known fraudsters, all of the known victims are protected. They, I mean, even from having a, a fraudster voice back. In other words, if you are calling into a call center, before you've even given your name, if you're a fraudster and that system has connected you to a, a confirmed fraud, they're actually able to warn the call center in advance to say, you're, you're speaking to a fraudster. And SAFPS, their sole purpose is grounded in fraud prevention. Now, Secure Citizen, as, as their partner, we're not going to sell you a toaster in three weeks' time. It's not a marketing services campaign. Our aim is to prevent fraud but also offer the consumer the convenience of being able to do certain things for themselves and and even do person-to-person verification. So if, if we met on an online dating site and we're about to meet for the first time in person, and I want to make sure that you really are Chad Thomas, I want to do a person-to-person verification without sharing any sensitive information. 
And all of that magic happens on the backside of, of Secure Citizen with a partnership with SAFPS. We want to remove people from being in situations that they can avoid that are dangerous or where their money is going to be stolen. In terms of the biometrics being fudged, the technology that we use, we've got to lean into technologies because fraudsters use tech too. So whether you are worried about a, a fraudster being able to get your voice print or take a photograph of a really good picture of you on Facebook and, and use that, we've got liveness detection. We've got synthetic voice detection. We've the, the technology that we plug in, and we don't share how we do that because then we'd be giving them the handbook, but the technology that we plug in is we're 100% focused on fraud prevention, which means we make it our business to keep them out. No, there's no system that's a silver bullet. I want to make that very clear. But what we are doing is giving people a fighting chance of being better at preventing being victims. Why do you think we are experiencing this massive growth in digital fraud? And why does it appear to us as the man on the street that the criminals may be one step ahead? That's probably because they usually are. They, You've got to understand that a fraudster, their business – like you and I have a day job, their business is fraud. They also have strategies. They also have uh, technologies. They have uh, target or market. So they just, I always say at conferences, they don't make customers, they make victims. But they run a business. That's their enterprise. Now, when you look at the way that our businesses and companies have historically verified, it's been sufficient from a regulatory perspective and it's been sufficient from a protection perspective. But in our world, Papia um, and regulatory compliance in terms of FICA, it's not just compliance tick box exercises. We actually want the regulation to work so that we can prevent what it's aimed to prevent. And for that to work, we need companies to start working together. We, we, we've got to find a way, and we don't do all of the other things. Our company doesn't, it's not going to make a coffee and it's not going to toast your bread. It verifies that the person that you're doing something with is who they claim to be. We don't want to take all the other people's pies, but we've also made it really affordable. So companies can no longer say that they cannot afford to prevent fraud using biometrics. It's not because we want to undercut the market. It is because we believe that that is every business, regardless of size, fundamental right and responsibility to verify the authenticity of the person they're dealing with. Historically, it's been expensive and it's been complex to implement and it's been for the for the companies with deep pockets that want to you know be regulatory compliant, but another thing that the FIC has done is they've made other accountable institutions. There is now a requirement for them also to verify, and that's not because they want to be difficult. It's because our impersonation fraud is out of hand, and we have to take it back. We look at organisations like the Financial Intelligence Centre, which you just mentioned, and they are having to do so much more now to play catch-up in respect of our country being grey-listed. Part of the reason was money mule accounts. Part of the reason was the fact yeah. that a lot of funds get laundered in South Africa. Is Department of Home Affairs on board? Are they cooperating with organizations such as yourselves in this fight against fraud and in helping people maintain the integrity of their identities? We work very closely with multiple companies and we we speak with the banking association of south africa and we speak with we've got um 
ministers dialing into the digital identity community that Banks of Africa has put together. So the one thing about digital identity that I'm a proponent of is that it's it's not competitive. That's why we don't compete with digital onboarding companies. But the government is also playing their role in making sure that they modernize the data and the systems that they use. But as you can understand, that that is a very lengthy and a very slow process. What we need to also do as citizens is to participate in making sure that we go and get a smart ID. If you're still walking around with a green ID book, it means that your biometrics might not be at the Department of Home Affairs. We, we do have cases where we're surprised when, so for instance, our, our product owner in Secure Citizen was born in the US, so she doesn't have a smart ID, but, and we thought that she would be our token child for, for testing against the DHA when, when she doesn't have a biometric, but she did. So, because she's got a driver's license and there's, there's other cases. We don't verify against driver's license currently because the image is, is not great, good enough. But, and we want to have top um, confidence when we verify an individual. But if you're a citizen and you're walking around with a green ID book, you are not helping yourself in terms of being able to participate in biometric ID verification and fraud prevention. As a citizen, I would then, I would urge you to take the time and go and get a smart ID. The DNA modernization, DHA modernization program has been around for a long time. We need citizens to participate in it and um, register your, your births and deaths. It's really important. Such an important point that Darlene has picked up on is the fact that we don't want to stand in queues at home affairs, but then in the same token, we're not protecting our identity because we don't have the latest technology um, at hand when applying for our identity documents, which is ourselves. Other people may take advantage of that. And we do now know that you can actually apply through the banks. There are other means. You don't have to literally get up at 2, 3 in the morning anymore to stand in a queue. There is no excuse in not getting the latest identity documents because that will go a long way together with organizations like Secure Citizen in ensuring the integrity and protection of your identity. When we come back, we're going to talk about the steps that need to be taken by you as a citizen to protect yourself against identity theft. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. We're chatting today about protecting yourself from being a victim of identity theft and cyber fraud or cyber crime. Now, cybercrime has been ranked as one of the top 10 global risks for the future. Now, we're not talking about crimes. We're talking about risks, risks like war, risks like infectious diseases or environmental damage caused by human beings. And believe it or not, cybercrime ranks worse than the potential for infectious diseases and worse than the damage caused to the environment by human beings. And it is estimated that by 2025, that's just two years away, the global cost of cybercrime will peak at $10.5 trillion. That is frightening. Now, I mentioned earlier, I'm not risk-averse. I'm just straightforward paranoid. But I need to get involved in the digital space because... I can't continue to not be able to buy things online because of my inherent fear. Why do I have an inherent fear? Well, I investigate fraud for a living, and I'm very, very jaded. What do I need to do? 
take me as the as a citizen that doesn't go online that hasn't I have online when it comes to social media yes which is a risk and I see the the, the catfishing all the time but when I say I don't go online I don't go online to do my shopping I don't go online to do transactions I'm very old fashioned I know I have to move into the digital digital space I want to be proactive about it because like I've said to you I'm not risk averse I'm completely paranoid what do I do so Chad First of all, you need to go and look in the mirror and have a conversation with yourself and realize that the fraudsters really don't care whether you're digitally active or not. You're over 18 and you're fair game. In fact, the fact that you're not digitally active actually makes you an easier target because you're not going to be looking at things the whole time like your credit report online or it's really important for people to go. I actually, I, I need to go on to my credit report this morning because I got a message to say that a new um, a search has been done for a, for a, a telco. And I'm, I mean, like I said, I was a victim in 2017. But make no mistake, the fraudsters don't wait. They'll they'll leave you for a while. You'll become complacent. You'll forget about it. But they'll hit you again. So when you go online, it's important to make sure that you are on the official site. Make sure that when you're registering to do something, you are on the official site and you are, if they ask you for personal information, you've got to maybe dip your toe in the water. When it comes to credit card uh, fraud, it's really important for people to know that you need to protect your, your banking details always. So when you're putting your banking profile information and that sort of stuff, it is really important for you to realize that you need to be um, um not skeptical, but you need to be careful with it. But also, if you've had fraud, contact your bank immediately. You've got 180 days or 120 days, depending on what you bought, to dispute the transaction. There are some fail-safes in place for you when you are shopping online. When you are dealing with somebody, let's say you go onto an online dating site, make sure that the person that you're dealing with has verified and and. You know, when it comes to being able to do that person-to-person verification, I honestly urge people, go on to securecitizen.co.za and look at what it is that we that we offer to individuals. Then the other thing that I would suggest is the basics. Don't click on links if you don't know the person, or even if you if it looks legit, it looks like your bank. Don't just click on any hyperlink. Make sure that you go and check out the website or you phone the official company. Make sure. My mom was telling me this weekend that you could, you know, there's there's a, a air fryers that are going on sale on Take-A-Lot at 39 Rand because they were fallen, you know, they damaged, they fell off a truck. First thing I did, go on to Google, go and check, go on the Take-A-Lot website. And lo and behold, they've put a warning out to say, this is a fraudulent message. Most companies jump into action and they will try and let the media and the, and the consumers know as quickly as possible. So stay alert. But you don't have to be completely cocooned and not participate. Get a protective registration. If you are as paranoid as you are, go onto the SAFPS website or onto the Secure Citizen um, app and register for a protective registration. Make sure that companies that want to then take out credit on you Go the extra step to make sure that you are you. There are these kinds of things that you can put in place to protect yourself. If you get emails, please, if you've got, if you get an email that says you've got a long distance cousin in some random country that's got a, 
a will that left millions to you, but you need to pay the legal bill in advance. Those are known as 419 scams. It's like you've you've just got to be, and if you don't know, ask. You that raised, is the best way. You raised the issue, and I think it's a, a brilliant ending point for us. If you could just explain to us what is protective registration, what it's going to cost us, and what we do to get that registration in place to protect ourselves. So, Chad, that's the best part of it. Secure Citizen Direct, where we deal, where, con- where consumers deal with their own data, as well as the protective registration, is free. It's at no cost to the consumer. You just have to go through the effort of actually registering or claiming your ID in the case of Secure Citizen. And on that uh, DHA queue that you were talking about, we're really trying to minimize the queues at the Department of Home Affairs, where you previously, you know, if you wanted to know if your surname has changed, your marital status has changed, or has your smart card been issued, you'd have to either phone and clog up their call center or go and stand in a queue for three hours. Once you've claimed your identity on the Secure Citizen app and you've biometrically verified and we've proven that you are who you claim to be, we'll show you your information. You can validate whether the information is true and correct because it is yours. The DHA might have issued your identity, but you are the owner of your name and your surname and your ID number. And it's your responsibility to make sure that the information that the DHA has is true and correct. We're just giving you the means to do it. Daleen, in closing, where do I go to protect myself? So the Secure Citizen uh, solution is going to be launched in the next couple of weeks. And for that, there will be an app in the Android store. We are going to be launching the iOS um, app as well. It is a little bit more tricky to get the iOS version approved, but there will be an iOS version. You're also able to do it in any web browser through securecitizen.app. And when you want to go and learn more about SAFPS, put it into Google, type in SAFPS, but you'd be able to learn about the protective registration, about what you can do as an individual on both sites, safps.org.za and securecitizen.co.za. Well, my dear listener, if you're in South Africa listening to this today, you know what your homework is. Go Google Secure Citizen and SAFPS and protect yourself. We've spoken to so many people on the show the last 10 years and to so many different organizations about the billions, if not trillions of rands that have been lost through fraud and corruption, and you can prevent it from happening by being proactive. Daleen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Chad. And I did hear at the beginning that you spoke about this being a worldwide show. Any South African that's not in our borders, you are still a South African citizen that has... An, an entry at the Department of Home Affairs. I don't care where you are. You are who you are no matter where you go. Protect yourself. With that, I'd like to thank Daleen Deal. You can find out more at uh, Secure Citizen or SAFPS, South African Fraud Prevention Services. I'll be back same time, same place next week right here on High FM. If you enjoyed today's show, if you want to take a listen or share it with your friends, we will be uploading the link to our podcast on www.highfm.com within the next couple of hours. You will also be able to find it on Confidential Brief Radio Show, which is our Facebook page. Thank you so much and keep safe out there.